You did win MVP over him in 2015. That was made it look like a child's spot. You held him to that 40 point triple double? My gosh, well, let's get it. So. Hey, everyone. Welcome to another edition of the Ball Street Journal podcast. We are two weeks away from training camp starting. The NBA is about to be back. We're already hearing some rumors. Maybe the Damian Lillard trade talks are picking up. So the season is on our way. And Nishant, we're here to preview it. How excited are you for this season, dude? I can't wait. I feel like the last four or five weeks have been really quiet. I mean, there's a couple pickups, you know, with nothing crazy. And I'm, I'm excited because I feel like there's so many storylines going into training camp this year with so many pieces that were left hanging that we haven't had in the past. So I think it'll be a cool, cool really interesting beginning of the season, unlike most seasons when the beginning's whatever. Yeah, it's, it's a couple of the teams this offseason, the Sixers and the Blazers specifically, we saw a change where they actually stood up to their stars who demanded trades and said, no, we're not just going to trade you right away. We're going to try to find the best deal. And when that happens, that's when we're going to do the trade. But we wanted to do some previews. So today we were going to preview the Eastern Conference Last year, we did a team-by-team preview, but I thought, you know, this year, let's do the whole conference. We get a big-picture views and see what's happening, but let's break it up into the division. So, let's go over the Southeast first. Last year, the standings, the Atlanta Hawks finished first. Well, that was, you know, after that play-in game. The Heat were second. Then the Wizards, Magic, and Hornets were the next three teams. None of them made the playoffs. So, big-picture view, the Hawks and the Heat were the teams to make the playoffs in this division. Do you think those two teams still make the playoffs? And do you see the three teams that didn't? Do you see them making it? Or do you think they'll just continue to not make the playoffs? I think, you know, the well, the Heat, I think, will definitely make the playoffs. I think they always start off kind of slow. They'll put things together. Of course, if they get Lillard, then I think their chances of making then it's the a playoffs then yeah. it's going to be pretty much guaranteed. Atlanta, you know, they, they're kind of essentially the same. I mean, they lost John Collins. But other than that, the, the core of the team is essentially the same. Um, barring injury, I think that they'll also at least be in the play-in contention. I don't know if they'll make the playoffs directly. And then the other three teams, you know, Washington did add Jordan Poole, bring back Kuzma. You know, they got rid of Kristaps. So, <laughs> yeah, but I, I, I think, think the Wizards are going to be the worst team. In, I mean, it sounds seems like they're trying to be at least. They, the way they just like sold off uh, Beal for... Granted, that was because of the no-trade clause, but they didn't get anything for him, really, besides second-round picks. The the team that I'm most interested in between Washington, Orlando, and Charlotte, and I don't think any of them will make the play-in or the playoffs, is Orlando. Hmm. And we saw a lot of growth from this Orlando team. They're a lot of fun to watch. And then most importantly, if anybody was following FIBA this summer... You know, the Wagner twins looked, or brothers, brothers looked brothers, really yeah. great. And even Paolo looked awesome for the USA team, much more than I expected of As him. As a small ball five, right? Because they didn't really play Walker Kessler, so it's uh, Paolo playing the, the backup five minutes for that team. And so I, I think they'll be an interesting team. I don't think that they'll make the play-in, but I think they might be right in that bubble outside of the play-in. What do you think? Yeah, I, I think what's going to happen here is Hawks, I think, yeah, I agree. They're playing contention. Heat are a top six team. I, I would say... With or without Dame? I would say without Dame, 
without Dame, they are maybe in that six through nine con- uh, contention. But if it's with Dame, then definitely a top six team confirmed. It was interesting, obviously, last year. I, I don't know what happened. We never seen a run, maybe besides the 99 Knicks, where a number eight seed gets that hot in the playoffs like they did last year. But we got to remember that he did lose Max Schroes. They lost Gabe Vincent, two starters from that team. And we're hoping Tyler Hero kind of fills that void, but he may get traded so that he'd have a lot of things in flux to start the season. And I think the biggest thing is, what does their chemistry look like this year when you've heard of so many names, particularly Tyler Hero, on the trading block? I mean, we've exactly. seen how that how that does to team chemistry in other places. You know, I'm thinking, we'll talk about it later, but like Malcolm Brogdon and all the issues that are happening there. And so it's like, what does this do to team chemistry when you're walking in the door and you're like, I might be out of here any moment? Exactly. And I don't think Hero's going to come in happy to training camp. He knows they're trying to trade him. And so that's going to definitely affect team chemistry. I think they want to get this Dame trade done as soon as possible, but Portland's holding strong. The Hawks, I, I, they basically, all they did was they gave away John Collins because that's all they did. It was in a John Collins trade. It was more of a salary dump. Because all they got back was Rudy Gay, who then was traded to Oklahoma City and a second-round pick. So after all those years of John Collins trade rumors that he may go for this, he may go for that. Finally done. <laughs> it was just a, it was just a salary dump. But that's what's going to happen now with the second apron coming up. But I think the Hawks aren't done. I, I think that was there might be a subtraction by addition where they had too many players fighting for minutes. But now, like they still have got they have DeAndre Hunter, they have AJ Griffin, Jalen Johnson, Sadiq Bay. They have a lot of wing players who are going to be fighting for minutes. I think they might need to do one more consolidation trade uh, to kind of clear that logjam up. And then the real thing about the Hawks is is Capella going to still be on this team because they have Okongwu coming up, who's going to want minutes, but he's still got to play behind Capella. I wonder what's going to happen with that logjam. So for the Hawks, they have, I feel like they're one of those teams that have too many guys, and it's like, how is this going to clear up? But you know what? I think they still make the play in. Wizards, I think, are going to be the worst team in this division. And then the Charlotte Hornets, they, they, they're they just like a, a tricky team to predict because LaMelo missed so much of last year. So it's like, is LaMelo going to be healthy? What's the Miles Bridges situation going to be like? Because he missed all of last year. He's coming back. So what's that going to be? What's Brandon Miller going to look like? The number two pick. So they just have so many question marks. It's really hard to predict this team. But if I had to guess, you know, I think they finished fourth in this division ahead of the Wizards. But the real question, I think, for the Hornets, right, is how many minutes is Kai Jones going to play? <laughs> <laughs> well, they're, I feel like their whole team, like every year they have something off the court that's making that's taking attention away from what's happening on the court. And the crazy thing is when, when LaMelo came into the league, I thought he'd be the guy, you know, like, the flashy off the court, maybe like has a nice car or is always in the public scene with his dad. But he's kind of been quiet. Like he's been playing his game. Obviously last year missed a lot of time, but we know he can ball. But all the other players, it's just like some, something is going around in their locker room that's making them all act a little funky. Well, as Austin Rivers recently said, and he got a lot of heat for this on the Bill Simmons pod, they just got, they have so many immature players around LaMelo. I mean, whether it's Bridges, we know about Brandon Miller's history in college, about the incident with him, and then now Kai Jones. It just seems like they're not putting maybe the best guys around LaMelo. But, you know, we'll, we'll see. Just too many question marks. I really don't know how to pick the Hornets, but I think they'll finish fourth. And then I agree with the Magic. I think... They're going to take a step up, but I don't think they'll get into top six. I think they'll be a 7-10 through 10 team uh, where they sneak into the play-in, maybe win a play-in game. But the talent on this team, but again, the Magic 
have a logjam of guards because now they have Jalen Suggs, they got Markel Fultz, they still have Cole Anthony, and then they just drafted. Um, I'm, I'm missing that guy, guy's name. The guy out of Michigan was it Jed Howard that they drafted and Anthony Black. So, so this team has way too many guards, and they just have to figure out like how to like clear this logjam. So that's the thing with the Hornets, but their their future at forwards are set. Wagner and uh, Bancaro. That is an amazing combo at forwards for their future. And then Mark, uh, sorry, uh, Wendell Carter as their center. So that's the Southeast. Which one do you want to do next? Atlantic, Atlantic or Central? Let's do the Central. So the Central division last year, the standings were Bucks first, Cavs second, the Bulls were third. Uh, they won a, uh, the elimination playing game and then they lost to the Heat. Then the Pacers fourth, then the Pistons fifth. How do you see that shaking up this year? I think it's going to be. There's, I think the shakeup isn't going to be that much at the top. You know, I think Milwaukee and Cleveland will probably be one and two. Chicago, I see free falling again. I mean, I think that last year we anticipated them to to get worse, and they didn't. And I, you know, they still have the same talent. They didn't make a tremendous amount of moves for their their big guys, but I I just don't see them holding on another year. I think this team just needs to be blown up, and they need to restart. Indiana, I think, soars up. You know, they, they made some great off, off-season moves, got younger, but more importantly, their, their team is together for an additional year. You got, you got to see how well the team was playing at the end of the year, and I think they're young, so I think they're going to continue to grow. And then Detroit's a little bit weird. Um, I think they also had an injury-riddled season last year. They have a lot of young guys. I don't really know what it'll look like. They're also starting to get a log jam at the guard position, like many of these other teams. You know, we've had some really nice guards coming out. But what I am excited for us to see for them is what does Kate Cunningham finally mm. look like if he can yep. put a healthy season together. If I had to anticipate, you know, I think Milwaukee will be one, Cleveland will be two, those will be two top six teams. Yep. I think Indiana gets into the, takes essentially Chicago's spot and they'll be a playing team. Mm. And then I think Chicago and Detroit don't make the play-in. I do still think Chicago will finish higher than Detroit will, but I think Detroit will be better than 17 wins next year. Yeah, and it's all going to come down to Kate Cunningham's help. I, I think the the Pistons are at that point now where they've tanked for like three, four years. They've accrued that to their top picks. They, whether it's Kate, they got one of uh, Thompson twins this offseason. So now it's like, all right, we got to actually like start putting some wins together. We can't just keep losing on purpose. And so, I, the other thing with the Pistons, though, I'm like, when are they going to clear their logjam <laughs> at the front court? Because <laughs> they have Jalen Duran. They also signed Isaiah Stewart to an extension this offseason. But then they keep doing trades like where they picked up Wiseman. They picked up Bagley, like these failed number two picks from other teams. They're taking those on as reclamation projects when they already have Stewart and Duran. I don't know how they're going to find minutes for all these players. Uh, so I wonder if they're just like, they're in that rebuilding phase where they're picking them up, maybe to trade them later. We'll see what happens there. But I, it's all going to come down to Cade. We heard amazing reviews out of this summer from him at that Team USA camp. Apparently, he was the best player on the court for one of those games is what we heard. So that is true. If Cade can make that leap and stay healthy, yeah, I think they'll take a step from 17 wins, maybe to 25 to 30, but it's still not a playoff team. But I, I, I think the Bucks, they're going to finish first. They have the cloud of the Giannis not signing this extension all, this offseason. That's going to hang over them all year. A lot of pressure. New coach with Adrian Griffin. But I think ultimately the talent there, will they'll get that number one seed in the, in the Central. The Cavs, same thing. 
we're hearing that Donovan Mitchell's not going to sign an extension, so they're going to have that hanging over them. But what's going to come down to the Cavs, and I wanted to kind of ask you about this too, is they have Mitchell, they have Garland, maybe their third starter is Okoro or Levert. But really what I want to know is, do you think Allen and Mowgli in today's NBA, can you play both of them together and have a successful team? Well, first, I think they'll probably... I would think they're going to start Max Struess. They did give him some money to, to bring oh, him in. Oh, I forgot. Yeah, they so did. I think they'll play Max Struess at the three, which I think will help their spacing a lot. I think the problem last year was Okoro was such an inconsistent shooter, uh, and Lavert didn't play enough defense for him to really be impactful f- to cover for those two small guards. I think Max Struess makes sense plugging him in because he's not... He's not an elite defender, but he's a really, I mean, he's, he's a good defender, let's say. And he can hit those spot open threes. He doesn't need to dribble the ball like Levert does. So I think, I think the early portion of the season will be figuring out what that looks like with an actual three that fits that team well. So, and yeah, that might be Struis. I forgot they got him. That was a big offseason <clears throat> addition. And I think if that helps their spacing, then you can have a league with Levert and, and Mobley. But also, Mobley has touch. Like, he can shoot well from the free throw line. We know Lavert's never going to really extend the court. And so, I want to see what Mobley looks like. I really do hope or, that... Or Allen. I was wondering if, like, Mobley and Allen can play together. Oh, sorry. Yeah, yeah. so Allen is not going to... Uh, I don't think Allen is going to be a three-point shooter. But I think Mobley yeah. has good touch. And so, I think if Mobley extends his game this year, then... then I think there is a possibility. I, th- I don't yeah. know why they can't exist. They both are great defensively. They can switch. And also, we talk a lot about like the guards playing, you know, um, off cycle from each other. Meaning, like, you know, one of them will play for the first few minutes, then check out, stagger them, yeah. stagger the minutes, stagger the minutes for Allen and Mobley. This way, you know, you have a really competent big guy in there guarding the paint. The, the problem is if they don't have someone like that, the guards are too small. They're going to get blown by, and you're going to end up having a lot of chaos scrambling and I don't think this team is built for scrambling defense and so I'm I'm, I'm optimistic yeah I think it's going to come down to Moldy like you said we, he's kind of at that stage going into his third year we all know that third year is kind of when you lock up that max extension or show if you're going to be a max extension player because you usually get that after your third year we've seen the defensive ability from him we know he's going to be an awesome defender with his length and the way he's able to move at that size but the question is what is his offensive game is he going to be able to build up a consistent three-point shot or even a mid-range game because we know Allen's kind of right around the paint that's going to clear up some space for Mitchell and Garland then and I think that's kind of how you guys the Knicks you really schemed so well your defense in that playoff series to beat the Cavs 4-1, where most people thought, and I think you would say this too, where the Cavs were the more talented team. Definitely. But you guys just, with Tibbs' defensive scheme, it almost seemed like they were so confused and they made Mobley and Allen not able to play together, and then you dominated the rebounding battle. So that was like a masterpiece what Tibbs ran in that playoff series, but... We'll see if either of them got into the gym because they really were getting manhandled by Mitchell Robinson. Mitchell Robinson, exactly. So they got into the gym and they're they're putting in the work. I I think that those guys are those guys are young. They still have a lot of room to grow, and so I'm I'm not giving I'm not putting the pushing the eject button on those guys yet. So uh, that's going to be interesting. And then Chicago, no, I don't really have much thoughts on them. I think it's kind of sad with the Lonzo injury. We'll see if he even plays this year. We saw him going at it with Stephen A. this offseason, and then. 
DeRozan's uh, eligible for an extension, but is that something they're going to do? We saw they re-signed Vucevic. It sounds like they probably won't extend DeRozan. Yeah, and and then then it's like, so are you just going to let him walk next offseason? That's going to be a risky proposition. But they did just let Vucevic go into a free agency, and maybe that's just kind of what they do. They let this play out, sign him next year, and they still have Levine. But the thing about the Bulls is Patrick Williams. I think he's the X factor there. Is he going to take a step up? And we'll see that. But I think my you know my thing that I want to say for the Central is I think the Pacers are this interesting team where they could become a top six team in the East. If we're going to say Boston, Philly, Milwaukee, and Cleveland are all like maybe the top four, I think along with the Heat, the Knicks, the Pacers can compete for a top six seed. Because if you look at their lineup, they have Tyrese Halliburton at the point guard. He was, he's an absolute star. He signed his max extension. Shooting guard, I think it's not going to be Buddy Heald anymore. <laughs> They're going to find a trade. But Matherin will probably be the shooting guard. Small forward, they just signed Bruce Brown. Granted, it was a, they overpaid him, but it's just a one-year deal. And then at center, they're going to have Miles Turner. He's always like going to be there. <laughs> you know, Miles Turner is the guy who's always like, oh, he's going to get traded. He's going to get traded. But somehow he stays there. And then the question is, you know, who's their four going to be? Whether it's Jalen Smith or someone else. And Jarvis I think Walker, Obi Toppin. Exactly. Oh, big- I forgot they got Obi Toppin, right? So yeah, if Obi Toppin gets some more minutes, he can make his threes now. And then Jarvis Walker. I think the Pacers have Ted Talent. They have Tyrese, who's their like star player. They can be a top sixteen. I, you know, I, I I agree with you. I had them more so in the the play in bucket this year, maybe like that seven eight, the higher end, like the home team playing bucket rather than the top six. I guess it kind of depends on what happens with the Heat. It kind of depends on what's happening with the Sixers. There's so much in flux because those teams fully stacked, I think, would be better than Indiana. But if they come in with turmoil like we anticipate them, then then maybe by the time they figure that out Indiana's already gotten a big lead on them mm. you know the early portion of the season might might just be and Indiana's young so I think that they might play harder in the regular season than some of these older teams that have been there done that kind of thing yeah it's we'll see I bet the Pacers are an exciting team but that's the central and then let's get to the Atlantic division the last division in the east and one close to your heart so last year there was the Celtics finishing as the first seed in this division then the Sixers then the Knicks, then the Nets, then the Raptors, um, who were a 10 seed. They lost that first playing game to the Bulls and were eliminated. So how do you see the Atlantic shaking out this year? I th- Again, a lot in flux, but I think it's going to end up similar. I think Boston will be at the top. You know, they, they yeah. had Marcus Smart go away. So one thing I'm really interested in is what does the team culture feel like now? Because I think he was their culture player. Like as much as... Tatum and Brown were their two superstars. I felt like Marcus Smart and Al Horford were their like two culture guys. Mm. And they still have Horford, but now with Kristaps there, if Horford's getting less minutes because they got to play Grant uh, Robert Williams, yeah, it's like what happens. They lost Grant Williams, who I think was also one of their like not yeah. culture guys, but like one of those like. Missoula just never seemed to like him for some reason. So. Yeah, and so you know I think they're still going to finish at the top because their talent is so high. But I am interested to see what their culture fit is like. And now they have like a high injury variance kind of team. So does the injury bug hit them at some point? If it doesn't, then I think that, you know, they might arguably be higher than Milwaukee as the first seed. But so I think they're going to stay status quo. Philly, it, it's so hard to predict. I think if they lose Harden or if Harden plays like the first 
four or five games that he did in Houston when he won it out, I think they're going to be in a lot of trouble. When he gets the fat suit out? Exactly. I think they're going to be in a lot of trouble. Um, but I want to see what happens with Maxi. I think he'll take another step forward. And so, you know, I, I would say if Harden comes and plays or they get some good replacement for Harden, I think they'll be in the top six. Um, they might be not as good as the third seed like they were last year. Yeah. I think if they lose Harden or Harden doesn't play at all, then I think they might slide even to the play-in, which is kind of sad when you have the reigning MVP on your team. And then that's going to bring up questions throughout the season of like what's going to happen with Embiid moving forward. I think the Knicks will be solid. They didn't make a tremendous amount of moves last year. You know, I think maybe they overperformed as a fifth seed, but I think they'll probably be in that like six through eight this year maybe be the fifth seed again i don't really see them moving that much higher because julius randall had an incredible regular season yeah and i it's and hard brunson. to see yeah. and brunson but but julius in, in, in specific and I, I i can it's hard to see me um having me seeing him have that great of a season i think he might have 80 percent of that which is still a great season you know he was an all nba player but it's hard to predict that exact exact, um, and 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 I don't think RJ is going to make as big of a leap as I've always hoped, having seen him on Team Canada. Uh, Brooklyn, I think Brooklyn will finish worse than they did last year, but I think they're still a feisty team. I don't I don't see them at least not being in contention for the playoffs. They have some of the most dynamic wings on their team. You know, Nick Claxton is still probably one of the better bigs. I, again, he's also skinny, so he might get pushed around by like you know Embiid and Jokic's of the world, but. He's, he's otherwise going up against everyone really well. And I just think Mikhail Bridges is, you know, he's older and people keep putting him in the same bucket as those 22 to 24-year-olds. And I think like he's 27, 27 right? now. He stayed four years in, at Nova. Exactly. Yeah. But but he's just so dynamic and we've seen what happens when he's offense, when he gets the offensive, uh, the reins of the offense in his hands. And he makes smart decisions. And, you know, arguably he was the best or at least top three player on Team USA this year with Anthony Edwards and Ty Halliburton. And so, you know, I think the sky is kind of the limit for him. And I think he himself should be at least able to push them into the 6, 7, 8, maybe if there's an injury bug, 9, 10 space. Mm. And then the Raptors, yeah. Yeah, and the Raptors, who knows what's going on with them. (laughs) They clearly haven't had direction for the last couple of years. They've lost players to free agency, which I don't think they should be doing. And they're bucking when everyone else is making these trades during the final final um, year of the contract and you know, they had Fred Van Vliet leave um, they got Dennis Schroeder who obviously was the FIBA uh, MVP and so oh I, yeah I forgot Schroeder absolutely cooked us man he cooked so us I, I think I think that they they may or may not be able to um, they may or may not be able to be better but I, I don't think that they're going to be any better than the play-in yeah, I, so going through the Atlantic, I, I, I mostly agree with you except one thing. So Celtics, I agree. For at least the East uh, Eastern Conference regular season, yeah, they took away the heart and soul of the team, as Verno would say, Chris Vernon. But they have so much talent. They still uh, they cleared that logjam in the backcourt, and so they got rid of Smart, but they still have Brogdon and White. And the question is, is Brockton still going to be happy? We have already heard that he's coming in unhappy because they tried to trade him this offseason. That was unsuccessful. And then, but with Tatum and Brown, as long as they stay healthy, that's really the biggest question for the Celtics now is because two of their front court players, Robert Williams and Kristaps Porzingis, major injury questions. I think KP really did a great job of staying healthy last year, and he was a great post-scorer. And he parlayed that into an extension and, a, and the trade to a contender. But he's already coming in injured with his plantar fasciitis. Exactly. So. 
So we saw KP do amazing on a team that was not in playoff contention last year. What's he going to do now? Because we saw in Dallas, the problem was for a winning team, he was always struggling to fit. We'll see if that's still the case. Sixers, yeah, it's really a question of, is Harding going to come in committed or not? I think he's not. I can't wait for the Sixers uh, media day. I think that's going to be a circus, just like it was with uh, the Simmons situation a couple years ago. And so what's going to happen there? And if they do trade Harden, what do they end up getting for him ultimately? Is it role players that fit around Joel? And they maybe think Tyrese Maxey is going to be that second star. Because as uh, Ryan Winder said this offseason, they they're they not going to trade Tyrese Maxey for even Michael Jordan. That's how, <laughs> <laughs> that's how high they are on him. So, And then the Knicks, I kind of love what the Knicks are doing. They're just saying, let's focus on continuity. Let's keep, you know, we had a good season. And keep building on that. I mean, and get a couple more Nova guys. They got Archie <laughs> yeah. Diacono again. They got, uh, <laughs> they got Vincenzo. Vincenzo. Yeah, yeah. So you know they're going to have good team chemistry. They basically have that championship team from Nova. They still have it here. All they're missing is Mikel. And, but, but, but what do we think about the Randall switching agencies? You know, he left CBA. CAA. Yeah, sorry, CAA. And now, now essentially, you know, he, he's, he's maybe out as part of that family and he's coming up for a contract extension in 24 25 so maybe they've had preliminary talks he wasn't happy with what he's hearing so maybe that's why he's going from caa to another team but the question really is that randall contract isn't that attractive so i think he i don't know what teams are going to want him unless the knicks do have this stockpile of picks where they could attach it to randall and maybe they can entice some team to trade him uh, or take him rather but let's be honest the knicks they really need that that star. I mean, they have Brunson, they have Randall, but what they really are hoping to get is whether it's a guy like Mitchell or if Giannis or Embiid became uh, available. What I love about the Knicks is they are in a better position than almost anyone in the league to get that star because a lot of teams are out of picks now. And the Knicks have their picks. They maybe have the uh, young player that a team would want in R.J. Barrett. And yeah... R.J. Barrett doesn't have the peak of a John Morant or Zion. We'll talk about this in our Western Conference preview. But what he does have is he's consistent. He shows up. No character issues. No drama. And that's what I love about R.J. Uh, Doesn't have the peak, but you know you can count on him to show up. And that's always been the thing with R.J. Even like at Duke, you know. He was the guy who was always playing. Zion got hurt. R.J. carried that team. But... Let's talk about the Nets, and uh, we got the producer here too with us. We forgot to say this this uh, this show is in person. I think the Nets fall don't make the playoffs this year. They'd be lucky to be a top ten team, but they played at a six or seven game below five hundred pace after the KD and Kyrie trades last year. They were a six seed because Kyrie, as Kyrie said, we left the team in, in fourth place, a great spot. So because of that, that's what carried them into the playoffs. But we saw the Sixers were on a different level than what the Nets were. And so I, I don't think it's a lock that the Nets make the playoffs this year, especially if we we're going to think like teams like the Pacers and the Magic are going to make a step up. Then someone's got to take a step back, and I think that's the Nets. The Raptors are just an interesting team, dude. Uh, they hired this coach, Darko Rakovic, from the Grizzlies. And apparently he's a developmental coach because we saw we heard that he was the guy who really worked with uh, Triple J and developed him. But if you're a developmental coach, that doesn't really fit the timelines of Siakam and Ananobi. It fits the timeline of Scotty Barnes, but not those two guys. And we saw they let Fred Van Vliet leave for nothing. And then Schroeder's a good replacement. But again, I, 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 we're going to see what kind of route the Raptors take. Maybe they're just saying, 
let the season start. We'll see how this team does. They have talent. Siakam's up for an extension, though, and he hasn't gotten one. So what's going to happen there? And then Ananobi's up for an extension, too. So I think that the Raptors are like this interesting team. But I do think they'll be a top 10 team because of the talent. But then they're, it's, they're kind of stagnant. So that's the Atlantic. But let's kind of do a quick review. So we went over all three divisions. And then let's do a predi- predictions for like playoff seeding. So who do you think will finish as the number one seed this year? I think it, I think it's going to be Milwaukee again. Yeah, I'll say Boston. Um, but then I'll say Milwaukee will be the second seed. Do you think and I'll Bo- say Boston will be two. Yeah, some combo of Boston and Milwaukee. I think they're just a class above everyone else. So then what about the third seed? The third seed, again, a lot of flux because I think the two, th- two teams that I think about third seed have, have high variance. It could be Philly again. Or it could be the Heat, but really who I'm going to put here, because of those high variances and the, the drama and the, the season, I'm going to put Cleveland as number three. Ooh, okay. I think I was, yeah, I was between Cleveland and Miami because of the question with the Heat, and we don't know, with, and we know Cleveland and Elise is going to bring a consistent team off of fourth seed last year, and they added Struess. I'll go with the Cavs as the three, but then I'm going to say Miami's the four. I think the Dame trade does get done eventually. But the problem is he's already going to miss some part of training camp with the Heat to build that c- chemistry. So they're just going to be a team that kind of like works it out through as the year goes. But we know if you're going to do the dream tra- game trade, you're going to lose some depth. The Heat are doing do a great job of finding these guys off the scrap heap. But I think that's going to be another thing that's going to hurt them with building chemistry. Yeah, I'll also have the Heat as n- number four um, for me and then probably Philly at five. I think I'm going to go with the Knicks at five, just because, again, they were were they the fifth seed last year, mm-hmm. right? And they have the continuity. They didn't really lose pieces. Then they added DiVincenzo. They brought back Hart. And I think Hart was a difference maker when they got him in the middle of the year. And I just don't like the questions around Philly. That, that, that's, I mean, that just has, like, disaster potential, like, to explode. Because we know what kind of Harden can do to a team. And that's why I'm going to put Philly as sixth. So the Knicks is fifth, and then Philly as sixth. So the reason why I put, you know, Philly as fifth is at the end of the day, they still have two guys who I think can carry them in the East in Embiid as long as he can play, you know, 60-ish games. And now there's compelling reason for him to play even more if he wants to, if especially their, t- their season isn't looking like they're going to win the playoffs, he's going to be wanting to push for that 65 game mark mm. so that he can get some kind of individual accolade, whether that's all NBA, whether that's, you know, again, another bid at the MVP, which is kind of hard to do as the sixth, you know, fifth or sixth seed. But I think that, you know, uh, Tyrese, if he's truly Michael Jordan recoming, then, you know, they're going <laughs> to, I think they got, they got to still at least stick around the fifth. And then, and then I have the Knicks at the sixth, you know, they're the, they're the team with the least changes in, in the top besides Milwaukee in the top six. Um, and, you know, I do, do expect Randall to take a little bit of a step back, but I think, you know, um, the, the biggest issue is the Knicks are really reliant on Randall's healthiness this year, and he was very healthy last year, except mm. for at the very end of the season. But we have essentially no backup four. And so Josh Hart might Ooh, have to play he, that. Because he lost Toppin. Yeah, I forgot and, about that. And, and DiVincenzo is who we got, and he's too small. So, you know, I think the Knicks will finish at sixth, uh, but a scrappy sixth. Mm. So that's that's the top six, <clears throat> meaning they're guaranteed playoffs. And, then and we, have, we have the same teams, just in different orders. Different orders, exactly. So seven, I think I'm going to go with the Pacers. I, I, you know, I, I think they do have the potential to get up to six. But, you know, with the, the East at the top, if everyone stays where they are, like the Sixers... Then I think the Pacers get to the uh, seven seed. I think I'm going to have Atlanta finishing at seven again. You know, they do have continuity. They did get rid of 
John Collins. Um, but I, I don't know if that much that is as big of a detriment as we all think because they already have two other big guys, and there was that logjam at the big guy position for them. And um, you know, I think they just they they scream to me as this team that has all this depth. I know you were saying there's a logjam at the guard position as well for them, but. You know, they have all this depth, and I think depth is what you need to finish well in the regular season when injuries come mm, up. That's so true. I think Atlanta will probably stick at that seven. Yeah, I'll go with the Hawks at the eight uh, <clears throat> for all the reasons you said. Even though they have chemistry issues and maybe a logjam, the talent, I think, wins out, and they'll pick up the eight seed. I'm going to have Brooklyn at, at eight. Ooh. And I know that's probably a, a, a hot take, and maybe I'm relying on these off-season videos of Ben Simmons, but <laughs> oh, I yeah. think this is the we best. We didn't even talk about Simmons. Yeah. I think this is the best Ben Simmons scenario. You know, he's coming into this team where we know that what he deals with is challenges during high-intensity game. Well, regular season isn't that. Mm. He's hopefully more healthy. The back is always going to be of concern. But he hopefully, he doesn't have to be the main guy on this team, the second guy, the third guy, the fourth guy even. And so I think he comes in, he's impactful. I think they have to li- limit his minutes. But, in, you know, a, a, a Ben Simmons 20 to 25 minutes is pretty valuable. You know, you got this guy who can dribble the ball, push the pace, which is what this young team is going to want to do. They're going to want to push the pace. And more importantly, I think Brooklyn is like a very underrated defensive team. I don't think they're mm. going to put up, you know, 115, 120 points a game like we have some of these, you know, offensive juggernauts, even something like Atlanta. But I think what they have on the defensive end, do, do they really have any liabilities on the defensive end? If you go up and down the roster, may, maybe a little bit. But, yeah. you know, you look at Mikkel, great defender, DSF, uh, Dorian Finney-Smith, great defender. Cam Johnson, pretty good defender. Nick Claxton, good defender. Ben Simmons is playing. Ben Simmons can be a good defender. And (laughs) so I I see them finishing as eighth in my eyes. Mm. Yeah, I mean, they have all the components. It's just a matter of... how. The thing I didn't like about Brooklyn is they didn't have a closer. Dinwiddie kind of became the de facto closer, which I think kind of frustrated a lot of fans because he was just chucking up shots. So then the ninth seed, I think, or, you know, I'll just give my last two. So I think Toronto picks up the ninth, and then I think Chicago's the tenth. So kind of similar to last year. These two teams that don't really have a high ceiling, but they have somewhat of a floor because of just the talent on those teams. So I think Toronto and Chicago grab those last two spots. Wait, actually, no. Wait, 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 wait. That means I'm, I'm leaving the magic out. So let me change that. So... So I so far I had Boston, Philly, New York, and I had Milwaukee, Cleveland, Indiana, and Atlanta. So that was my top eight. Ooh, I do want Magic to make it. All right, so I'm gonna say, just because I love Paolo and Wagner, so I'm gonna say the the Raptors are the ninth. And I'm gonna take Chicago out and put the Magic as your tenth. Then. Okay, so it's, it sounds like we have fairly similar similar rankings. So at nine, I think it'll be Indiana. Mm. I think they're gonna take a step up. Um, I think. I'm still a little bit worried about how much they rely on um, on the healthiness of Halliburton. Mm. And so I think if he misses any games, they're going to struggle. And that's what happened last year. When he missed some games, they really struggled. And I don't think they filled that void of like a second ball handler that's going to be able to carry them during that time period. Yeah. Um, and I think if they give that ball to like Benedict Matherin or something like that, I think it's, he's just not as good of a distributor, of course, with Halliburton being one of the best. And then at 10, I'm going to have Orlando, which means I'm going to have Chicago and Toronto both missing the playoffs this year, which, you know, I, I think Chicago, mostly because of age, 
Mm. Um, they're aging. They're they're they have good they have good continuity. But I think for Toronto, I think people are underestimating. I know Dennis Schroeder was nice in FIBA, but I think people are underestimating how valuable Fred VanVleet was to that team. Mm. And losing Fred VanVleet, I think, is going to be a detriment because you know Schroeder is not the stereotypical passer and distributor. And I think Siakam and OG really need someone that can take that home. And that's why I think they haven't been as good since they lost Lowry. To be honest. Because they just don't have that guy that's going to connect the players. So that's those are my t- my thoughts. So I had you know Milwaukee, Boston, Cleveland, um, the Knicks, uh, Miami, Philly making the top six, and then um, had the Nets, Atlanta, uh, Indiana, and Washington in the in the in the play in. Very cool. So yeah, I mean, I guess that means I have the Wizards out. I think that makes sense. The Hornets, same. They're going to. Not take a step up, not make it. I have the Pistons out, a team that'll take a step up but not make it, and then the Nets. I think it was probably my con- most controversial take about who's not going to make it, and then the Raptors. But let's finish it up with this one last segment that our producer actually suggested live while we're recording. Predictions for the top five, or I guess yeah, all stars from the Eastern Conference. So who would your starting point guard be from the East? I guess this would just like be yeah, Eastern Conference All Stars. Uh, I mean, call me a homer. I think this is Jalen Brunson season. He should be the point guard. <laughs> I think I'm gonna go with Halliburton. I think we see him take a step up, make his first All Star team. Or no, he made it last year. But I think he'll be this like a starter level, capable. The only thing is, I feel like Trey Young would get it because he's very popular with the fan vote every year. But I think when it comes to the coaches component and the players, I think Halliburton gets it on. So then what about the other uh, guard position? I guess they don't really do... They just do guards and front court. So we could just do it like that. It could be two point guards that you want. Yeah, I mean, so I, I think this is where I was going to have Ty Halliburton. Um, you know, traditionally, this has been reserved for someone like James Harden. But again, you know, there's going to be a lot of tenuousness there. I'm not predicting this as if Dame is going to be in the East. Because if Dame was there, then I think Dame would take that position. So I'm going to put... You know, I was... I was yeah, I'm going to put... put um, but Ty Halliburton here, which means that, you know, Trey Young will probably come off the bench. Yeah, I was probably going to say Young just because, again, I think with the fan vote, it's going to really carry him. So I think that's why he'll he'll get that other starters. And then what about your front court? So, I mean, two front court positions automatically taken up, you know, Giannis and Embiid are exactly. there. Yep. And, you know, Butler is always one of the better players in the NBA, but I don't, I think they do a great job managing his, his, um, you know, games and minutes during the regular season. And so I think because of that, it's going to hold him back, which it always has from being the the all-star starter. You know, I'm thinking, you know, something like Bam. Bam is a really mm. good all-star starter. It, it might be a little bit challenging for him to get in only with Giannis and Embiid already being there. Um, because I have Brooklyn doing so well, I'll probably put Mikhail here as mm-hmm. as, as the as a three guard. Wow! So I, I thought this last one was also kind of oh, actually, getting... I take it back. Tatum is Tatum. Be, yeah, <laughs> I was just going like, to be like, I totally forgot Boston exists. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I was just going to be like, yeah, I thought the last one was going to be a pretty easy one too. I sorry. think it, it might be a competition between Tatum Butler, but I think it's going to be Tatum. So East front court. East oh man, that means that we're having Brown not an All Star starter. Yeah, ah. the highest played player in NBA history. Not even an All Star starter. I'm gonna take it back. I'm gonna have. I'm gonna have. Sorry, I'm gonna take it back. I want to have Brunson as one. I'm gonna say Brown is gonna be the second one. Tatum. I totally forgot about Boston. Yeah. What, what, what an overlook on my behalf. Tatum, Giannis, and Bead. Yeah, I think I think mine would be then uh, Halliburton, Trey Young, 
Tatum, Giannis, and Bede. I mean, they were all all NBA first team last year in that East front court. So that's that's our Eastern uh, All Stars predictions. And then let's end it with this. We uh, kind of danced around it on this pod, but we see the Dame trade rumors every day. There's like seems to be a different story that you know they're Portland's finally engaging teams. But then it's like trade is not imminent. These are just talks, you know, after everyone got back from vacation. Then Woj reported that they're not even talking to Miami. And so I just want to ask, like, ultimately, if you had to predict, Dame, to what team? And when does this trade get done? Okay, well, first, can I have 30 seconds to vent? I've been a Dame defender for a long time, just like I was for Russell Westbrook as, you know, this guy trying to stick it out with this team. And, and I get it. He he needs to have he needs to get off of Portland. I think that his time there and he's put in the effort, he's done everything that he could. It's time for him to get off that team. But I think it's completely despicable what is happening in the news with him saying he only wants to go to one team and that if he goes to any other team, he's going to immediately request a trade request. Like, I think that this is a 180 from what his personality was. I get it. He wants to go to a winning situation, but there's more than just one team as a winning situation. So I think it's really unfair what he is trying to do to the market. And, you know, um, it's definitely tainted my view of what Dame is. Like, Dame is a baller. Like, go out there, whatever team you end up on, go out and ball. Like, what if you end up on the Sixers? You can go out and ball and have a great season. You can end up on many teams in this league right now that where you can be in a winning situation, which Portland can't afford you. So I think it's fair for him to say, I want to be in a winning situation. But I think it's really unfair for what he's trying to do. And I think that's part of the reason why this trade is taking so long, because now it gives the Heat zero incentive to try to give up a lot of things, which is yeah. in his benefit. Yeah, right? exactly. Because he has depth then if he gets there. Exactly. So he's going to get to the Heat. It's going to be probably, I would say, uh, October, November time. Yeah, I, I, I agree. I think the fact that he... His agent and him did a great job for Dame's Dame's reason uh, of blocking the market, where it's really only one team now, and so even whoever anyone else besides the he who trades for him have this fear of is he going to show up unhappy and then kind of ruin our team chemistry and we already gave up pieces for him. You almost need to have someone like what Masai did when he traded for Kawhi, even though he knew Kawhi didn't want to be in Toronto where he was willing to take that risk for just one year. But I just think the Heat make the most sense. I think the media is just doing a, a lot of underselling of what their trade offer is. Because I think Tyler Hero, he's a former sixth man of the year. He's a good player. He's not maybe a great defender and a perfect player, but he's a good player. I think Jovic, Nikola Jovic has potential. And then we saw their pick this year, Hami Hakes. They have these young pieces that could, they could offer him. They could they have the the depth, or sorry, not the depth. They have the some picks that they could offer, and they are like not um, unconsequential picks if they're going to offer it in twenty eight and twenty thirty. And if it's unprotected, I think those are really valuable picks that Portland can get, and that's just going to be the best offer out there because of Dame's contract. So if you re- now with the second apron coming in. If you're going to take on Dame's contract, you better be sure that you you have a winning product out there um, to make it worthwhile to take on that contract where he's going to get paid $60 million in about four years. Um, and so the only situation that really makes sense then is the Heat because they have a ready-made winner with Butler and Bam already there. They, and then you know they'll always find some pieces to put around them. 
and they can stomach taking on Dame's contract, then maybe they'll definitely be in the first apron luxury tax, and then maybe getting into the second apron when Bam signs his next deal. But that's really the only situation that makes sense. Maybe Philly, but they don't want to give up Maxi. So then, I think the Heat are who ultimately will get Dame. That's why they're sitting back because they know you guys can go talk to other teams, but those teams aren't going to give what we are willing to give. And on top of that, they're not going to want to take Dame's contracts. I think Riley's doing a good job of you know he knows they're going to come back to him and try to not give up that much. For him, because who's he bidding against at the end of the day? So, Dame to the Heat is my prediction, and I think it actually gets done uh, during training camp. So, early October is, I think, when it gets done. And that's it for this pod, dude. This was great in person. We did an Eastern Conference playoff preview, touched on some other topics, and uh, Media Day is going to get started, but we'll do a Western Conference preview pod for you guys soon, and can't wait. See ya. I want to give a shout out to our producer, Sandeep. Without him, this podcast would not be possible. If you want to get the latest news on the podcast and to support us, please follow us on Instagram and Twitter at PSJPod. You can also find all our episodes uploaded onto our website at www.bsjpod.com. Thanks for tuning in.